Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, James, how you doing, mate? Good, mate. Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me on. Mate. Well, Matt's sick, so he's, oh, right. he couldn't make it. Um, but, yeah, I needed someone. Oh, mate. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's an honour. Uh, who, uh, who are we chatting with this week? Uh, it's a guy called Anwar Udin. He's um, an ex-pro. Oh, yeah. Asian footballer. West Ham. Yeah, West Ham, Bristol Rovers, Damon Rubbish, yep. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he works for Football Sports Federation. He's the diversity and campaigns manager for them. Doing a lot of good work trying to... Uh, wicked, that should be good. So what, um, what's the aim of this? What, what are we trying to, I think we're trying to talk about? We talk about all kinds of things. You do, you do that, don't you? What? You may talk about big issues, key issues in, fo- in football. But yeah, we're not afraid to discuss the big issues. Yeah, about, do you? Not at all. Um, he's, you know, I think, if, I mean, th- there's lots in the podcast. There's, there, there's lots about his time as uh, West Ham and, and the kind of stuff that used to get up in the changing room and the, and the different character he's met. And as an ex-pro, it's interesting in that sense. But it's also, it's also about the lack of diversity in the game. All uh, right. Uh, so I get it now. What? That's why you've drafted me anyway. What do you mean? Lack of diversity. You're... That's why you got me in. Perspectives. You're a 30 year old white man from Surrey. What do you know about saying, lack of diversity? I'm glad that's what I'm saying. Finally, finally, us guys, us white middle class guys getting, getting our chance to say stuff. Yeah. All right, James, thanks. Thanks again for stepping in. Hey, don't worry about it. Long ball. Hello and welcome to the Long Ball Streets. Today I'm joined by Anwar Udin, who's the Diversity and Campaign Manager for the Football Supporters Federation. He's also an ex-professional for West Ham, Sheffield Wednesday, Bristol Rovers, Dagenham and Redbridge, Barnet, Sutton United and Eastbourne. A couple of loan moves in there as well. A couple of loan moves, yeah, don't forget them. Yeah, and he's, you're also a Bengali Muslim. And I know I, I wouldn't usually make that a kind of issue, but we're going to be talking about Asian footballers and, and, and some of the issues, so it is important, it's relevant. I'm also joined by James. Hello. How are you doing? I'm done, please, and not Matt. I know. I, look, Matt, I know we listeners to this. Don't get angry. Don't take it out on me in our day-to-day working life. Flav, ask me to fill in for your shoes. Yeah. But I can't fill those shoes. That's not I just want to make that clear. Yeah, but that's not true, though, is it? Because you came up to me and went, Matt's not in today, is he? <laughs> that's, not, that is, that's a lie, Flav, and you know it. And it's mm. written on your face, but unfortunately this is a podcast, so people can't see that. That's Disappointing. Right. Matt uh, is unwell. And so uh, couldn't he was coughing and whatnot, so he, he couldn't come and so he'll be back next week, yep. no doubt. Uh, and what? Um, uh, it's, it's, it's been 
Actually, let's just start at the beginning, right? So, because I was going to go into the whole Asian thing, but it's too heavy straight away. Let's let's do let's do West Ham. So how did you get involved in West Ham? Because you're a West Ham fan yourself as well. You mentioned yes, West Ham fan. I grew up. Uh, all my family are Spurs fans. Um, oh, that's a good no. family. Yeah, yeah, good family. What, you, what are you doing? It, it, there is a story to this. Right. Uh, so family are all Spurs fans, and obviously growing up, year one, year two, year three, Christmas, I'm getting all the Spurs kits. And I was a little bit confused because I live in East London, and all my mates support West Ham. Yeah. yeah. Everything I ever heard was West Ham, Julian Dix, Tony Cotty, and I'm thinking, why am I? Why? Every, everything I see is claret and blue, but yeah, I look at myself, and I've got a Tottenham kit. And then my uncle started getting involved by me, Liverpool May Night kit. Very confusing time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Did they support? We'll talk about the Asian community later. But <laughs> a lot of confusion. And, but, but for me, to be honest, I just thought, you know, like every, all the discussions I was having uh, was around West Ham players, how yeah. they're doing, how bad, usually how bad they were doing. Yeah. And I didn't sort of have that closer network with my family who were Spurs. Well, yes, they all were season ticket holders, but I didn't have that daily sort of. A sort of uh, you know dialogue. yeah 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 so brainwashing yeah it was yeah, so I just you know match the day will come on and like I'd sort of pretend to sorry pretend sort of like be interested in Spurs now but when West Ham was on that was my you know and it was it was it was hard and then. Yeah. I sort of just yeah, it was. I sat my family down and just had to say, "Look, I had to come out." I had to because I just felt I couldn't lie anymore. I felt like, and not only that, it's every Christmas. You know so what I mean? Talk through that conversation. Yeah, every, Christmas, every, Christmas, every Christmas, you, you know, you, you kind of think, "I kind of wonder what this is." It's a bit like now where you get the deodorants and yeah, the yeah, pants yeah. from my mum. But yeah, no, I wonder what this is. Oh, it's a new Tottenham kit, brilliant. Like, and obviously, my, my Asian uncles would get me the main night and. And they, uh, the main night kit usually or Liverpool, but then uh, yeah, and then I thought I just thought, look, this is it's very confusing, and yeah. I want to be I want to be part of my mates. I want to join that gang. And I feel like you want to help. Did you look in America? Who am yeah. I? Yes, yes. Because um, like my my entire family sports QPR, your entire family sports Spurs. Yeah. So that's, there's never been a been a choice. And like coming to Bull Street, so Matt uh, loves his NFL. Um, all the owners, both the owners, love their, their NFL. And I've I've enjoyed watching like documentaries and things like that, but I can't pick a team because yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm used to with England or you know, I'm half Scottish. Like it's not a choice, and with QPR it's not a choice. No. So I can't imagine what it's like to what? have the cho- or, or, or I don't know to what? be. I well, think, again, so it, so I had the conversation. I just said, look, you know, I've, like all my friends talk about West Ham. I know every single player at West Ham. Yeah. I know how they did last season, how they hope to do this season. I, I don't really know about Tottenham because my uncles and all, well, they sent me the kits. That was their like token gesture towards me for the whole year. Right. I'll get them a Tottenham kit, they didn't talk to them all year. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, I sort of knew everything about West Ham and I just, and that, it became my team. And I feel bad because obviously my, fa- my, Tottenham, my family is Tottenham supporters and whenever yeah. I speak to Tottenham supporter about this I almost feel like I'm sorry but, yeah, yeah. but just the way it was it's just the way it was but it's like, that's like I mean West Ham hate Spurs they hate Spurs and, and, and as, as a genuine West Ham <laughs> yeah, fan pick do else. you hate Tottenham I can't I can't I can't and you know what um, it's funny I had uh, did an event last week uh, uh, with a football sports federation did a photography exhibition and the proud Lily Whites were there some yeah. other Spurs fans were there and one of my best friends as a kid uh, came and he's a Spurs fan. And he, he finds it all hilarious. He never lets me, lets me live it down. Yeah. And he's showing pictures of me in a Spurs kit as a kid. <laughs> and people are tweeting that. You can't do that. It's <laughs> really killing my credibility. Yeah, yeah, I've mean? just got to be honest about it and open. Mm, and yeah. if that makes me less of a West Ham fan, then so be it. Look, like, the, for but, younger people listening to the podcast as well, people go, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, West Ham and Spurs aren't as close. But then yeah. Spurs weren't... 
well, when, probably when, around that same that kind of level, to be honest, it? I think, to be honest, Tottenham were, Different. I would say, a lot better. because Yeah, yeah I would say they had, uh, it was sort of like the times of Lineker, Gazar, oh, Sam Ways, Dizel, yeah. Eric Torsved. God, I, I do sound like Spurs fan, don't yeah, I? Yeah. But, but West Ham, it was, well, they were, although they weren't as good, they were like more quirky and like they had the cult like Julian Dix and the Tony Cotties and it was yeah, almost yeah, as if yeah. like they just had a team full of nutters and <laughs> it was messy and it was horrible and all my sort of mates that were a bit naughty supported West Ham and it was just like, yeah, I, I want to join that gang. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. Like, listen, that's, that's well, just I've, honestly I've all, there. I've, I've talked about this on my own podcast, The Fighting Cock. I've always had a kind of begrudging respect for West Ham because of their grassroots kind of semi-Neanderthal fan base yes I quite like that proud of that yeah yeah there's something in that um, yeah something uh, it, which is the the kind of direct opposite to Arsenal who are kind of fancy <laughs> Dan Salmon Salmon Chino Salmon Chino wearing tarpons <laughs> right, right. Um, which is obviously a, a different you know everyone's entitled to like football but um, yeah less, the least the people that are least entitled to like football are Arsenal fans in my opinion <laughs> yeah uh, um, alright so so that, that must have been some dream then to end up a, in West Ham's youth team it, to be honest it was it's was just all mad really because um, again I, I was the biggest person in my class like taller tallest by a mile and never really played football but I never really thought you know, I'd be a football player never at all in yeah. my mind just loved playing it and one day when did you so when did you kind of start playing football? just on the street in East yeah. London to be honest in, in, in Whitechapel just like a film in it <laughs> yeah. yeah, in Whitechapel there weren't much to do it was literally me and my brother my mum give us a quid right come back at 11 at night and right what do we do all day yeah. play football um, and I, I just got just got very good and I was initially I was just bigger than everyone else and I think it's like any, any school team you always yeah, like, get a big lad put him up front or at the back and I was, it oh, yeah, I was at that big lad <laughs> scoring I was taking place kicks and all sorts and uh, yeah PT teacher said to me do you want to play in a school team I was like alright cool so I played in a school team and, and it just literally went from there played in the game my team were terrible my school never won a game never scored a goal we lost 5-1 in my first game I scored and like, it was like a celebration wicked we scored a goal and then all of a sudden like the, the district manager saw me playing this team who was kind of renowned for not being very good oh, where'd, you, where'd you pick this up lad up from and I was younger than everyone else he said look come play for the district play for the district all of a sudden can you play for London all of a sudden England trials how old are you at this point so this I'm in primary school going into secondary school but then the amazing thing was when I started playing for the district and the county I wasn't attached to a professional club so all of a sudden everyone was like this kid's doesn't have a team mm-hmm. so you know like Ashley Cole was attached to Arsenal Ledley King was attached to Tottenham I'm playing the same uh, team as these lads mm-hmm. but I don't have a team I just play for my school and it was very much I was nowhere near as good as them technically but Who's I was it? just this big Senrat? Was it yeah, yeah they all came from Semrat yeah. but they yeah, all, all right. from Tower Hamlets well. yeah, all yeah, from yeah, Tower Hamlets so, um, so and, and you can imagine so when I was a kid because all the scouts were like, well, this kid is he's got a lot of natural ability, he's bigger than everyone else, will he stay as big, you know, will he develop in time? And loads of interest from loads of different clubs. It was very confusing because my, my dad um, went to work literally every single day and never really knew I played football, never really had a, a sort of really, really interest in the game or, mm. or myself in terms of playing. But then when you got like scouts and clubs knocking on the door, it was literally like, what are you up to? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> knocking on the door. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, and he said, what have you said? And I had to sort of explain to him, like, I'm literally playing on the street and then someone asked me to play and then someone asked me to play in this one. And I'm, you know, it gets me out of school and so it's, it's, I like what, what it's doing. It's fun. And that was it. It's like the trick. So, some people try so hard and, 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 and for you it just kind of, 
it just it just happened and, and you put the work in on the street I guess yeah I mean rather than I in mean, the academy yeah it, it's so weird because oh, I was still relatively young I feel like I was young this is like 10, 11, 12 right. and I end up going to West Ham as, right, as a 13 right, year old right, right. I still think that's very young yeah, yeah, but nowadays I was a, an academy coach at West Ham two years ago and there's kids yeah, at 7, bad, 8, man. 9 like travelling around London doing four training sessions a week mm. and like so at 7, 8, 9 I didn't have a clue I was just watching football thinking it's fun mm. but then towards like the sort of uh, 11, 12, 13 going into secondary school then you know you've got scouts knocking on your door you've got your PE teachers and your Sunday league manager saying look this is it starts this is starting to get very serious you need to sort of start to contemplate how serious it's getting yeah. uh, and don't get me wrong I did work hard because every yeah. game I played I wanted to be the best and wanted to win but I had this kind of like and that sounds a bit like a fairy tale, but an innocence about it. I didn't yeah. care. I just wanted to win. Yeah. So I'd work hard to win, but I didn't care that all oh, someone's watching me. I need to make the England trial, or I want to impress QPR. Who's here? It was very much a just just a pure innocence sort of thing. All those kind of all those steps in life. That's a broader conversation, but for you, it sounds like it just kind of it just happened. Like you just said, Flav, like it just happened. It just happened. I was there at this moment, and then someone saw me, and all those things. How how much of that do you feel? Because there's always this question of fate, or or you just work your bollocks off to get there. How much do you think of, of that is is luck, and how much it was maybe the bit of the innocence? How much was it? Just I don't get talent? me wrong. Always an element of luck. I have to say there is. I mean, I look at my career as a whole, and if you've seen the film Sliding Doors, where yeah. you know, do you get on that train? There are or those do you moments. Miss the train? Yeah, and there's so many of those moments. I'll talk about more, like in terms of deciding what club to sign for you know I could still be a Premier League player if I'd have went to Swansea yeah. uh, or I, I, I went to Bristol Rovers instead so there's loads of those moments but yeah. when you're a kid you literally you, I was I was oblivious to all of this I literally just wanted to play and it annoyed me when we would lose it annoyed me that someone was stronger than me fitter than me a striker would, would get the better of me and it was just that and when it started to get a bit serious then I kind of thought, okay, maybe I should take it a little bit seriously. Yeah. And but is uh, that innocence then, or is that just fearlessness? Because I think that that can cripple a lot of players uh, at any stage of their career. Yeah. Reese Weston, you know, you guys were chatting to him, and it, it was he made it, but he, he found it so so difficult to be the best he could be because well, he was fearful. Yeah, it was fear, yeah. He, he spent a lot of the time being very kind of anxious and and, and struggling mentally to deal with the, the the pressures of playing football at that level. Um, but that that kind of um, obliviousness if that's a word um, to to that pressure is probably really kind of strong that's a real strength yeah. 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 I mean again but if you, if, if you don't know of it you, well, it's not a it's well, yeah. and, and, and therefore it's not yeah. a problem so, so how did you end up at, um, so you, you chose West Ham or a yeah, number I of chose, clubs I, cho- I chose West Ham fortunately for me literally I had a number of clubs because if you get it's like now if you have a 13 year old that's trialling for England that's not attached every single club in the country is going to think Where, where's he come from why is he not with a club yeah. uh, don't get me wrong over the sort of two years I had loads of clubs oh, which ones can't pay for us QPR yeah. was one of them yeah. <sighs> Tottenham uh, literally I could, I could name really? a few but I was a bit like my family were like look no what's all this about like you go to school you play it's fun like I'm not my dad couldn't take me to train four times a week you know, it was a very traditional nowhere. family or? yeah not so much traditional but it was like well you're going to school you're, you're a 12, 13 year old what, what, of like, course people to play football these men running around like yeah. well you're a kid um, but then obviously uh, it, it did get a bit serious so we, we were sort of like going to meetings and meeting managers and clubs and West Ham said to me look come watch a game uh, meet, meet the manager hmm. meet some of the coaches and see what you think and I went and watched uh, Tottenham v QPR funny enough and Tony Scotty scored too uh, and it was like I'd been to Tottenham Park a few times before but like 
paying for a ticket and going and just jumping around and like just loving the atmosphere and that was yeah, one yeah, thing yeah. but actually being invited to sit have dinner and then sit in the corporate sort of hospitality with all these important people I was thinking like man this is mad do you know what I mean this is mad and like all the other clubs I visited I just didn't have that same appeal to me because you know I went to uh, Norwich for example and sitting in a stand at Norwich talking to the same sort of people who mm-hmm. want to persuade you to sign for the club weren't as magical as being up to that was the word it was yeah, because yeah. all my mates I know on that same day were over in the other stand mm. sort of like jumping around watching and there's me and I'm thinking well, what like, and it wasn't because I wanted to impress my mates but all the players I was playing with Joe Cole for one the best players for whatever reason in that period all signed for West Ham and you know my dad said to me look if you want to be the best you got to be among the best because I've got a lot of catching up to do. I was nowhere near as good as them. That, um, the people, I mean, that, that West Ham youth team is kind of fabled, isn't it? It's historically known as one of the best ever combined. And many West Ham fans say that if we could have kept that team together, God knows what you lot would have done. No because, doubt. You know, you've got Rio Ferdinand, Lampard, uh, Joe Cole, uh, uh, Defoe, Carrick, Carrick, Glenn Johnson, Glenn Johnson, <laughs> Leon Britton. Oh, Devin Bywater was an English. Stephen Bywater. But there's, there's certain there's other names that like Richard Garcia players like who went on to Hull. Yeah. You know, like that people you don't even use as an example of how good we were because they oh they just had, the list, a league, yeah. they had a football league career. Mm-hmm. But it, you know what? It was just it was actually a little bit ridiculous because I mean I so I was a centre half. I went I could play midfield, play up front, but centre half was what they wanted to sort of make me. But at West Ham. You wasn't right. You're a defender, stay as a defender. I play up front. I play a midfield. I play right wing, left wing. They sort of utilised you as a. They wanted to sign a footballer as yeah. opposed to a defender, midfielder. And who was right. your manager? So in the youth team was Tony Carr. It was Tony Carr. Tony yeah, Carr, he, but, he got but, released, didn't he? In the, yeah, very recently. Well, I, yeah, well, he was given a redundancy. Yeah, so, but he's. I mean, he's. What was he like? It was amazing because. Like as a 13, 14 year old, you go into train in the evenings, but they they Tony Carr, all the top people at the club, reserve team manager, they know you by name because Makes such a difference. it was like everyone was talking about this age group. Everyone was talking about you know this age group: Joe Carl, Anwar Rodin, uh, with name Michael. Car- the, the, these lot when, in five years time, these are going to be special. And you hear it all the time, but it was just something about our group that we thought there's some real world talent here. And um, and that's why I want to be part of the club because mm. you know what I didn't go on to play in the first team for years and get hundreds of appearances but the experiences the travelling playing with world class players like that's something you'd never have got at a lower league team yeah. which probably would be beneficial to my career but just being around those those sort of players on, on a daily basis and that was just a youth team not alone the first team <laughs> you, you won the uh, FA Youth Cup at West Ham uh, Is that the, that's the Coventry you big Coventry yeah, nine yeah. Nine, I remember right. seeing that on telly and just thinking like Joe Cobbs just, just taking the piss and then to be honest <laughs> <laughs> it, it, to be fair like it was um, it was interesting because some games I, I literally you know like some games you've got your keeper don't really have to do much. Like I was in a half, and some games I didn't even have to do much. Yeah, yeah. you know we're half five nil up at half time. The folks scored three, Joe scored two, Carrick with a few assists, Leon Britton's chipping in. You know, and it's like, and then, and it plays like Glenn Johnson, and we're playing against other teams, and you're thinking these are good teams, but we were just on another level, mm-hmm. and it was almost like something needs to be changed. And so from the age of sort of like fifteen, sixteen. We all progressed very quickly. So we were playing reserve team football really young, uh, trained with the first team at like 16, 17, all of us. And then all of a sudden, it sort of coincided with with West Ham having a period of just, we finished fifth in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, we had Arl Berkovic, Trevor Sinclair, Freddie Canoe, Eddie Canio. So not only do we have this, this crop of kids that were just, a, I was privileged to, to play with, 
But you had a first team that was just flourishing all of a sudden. Were you ever training with that first team? Because I can imagine if you're dominating games that much, you start to. It could affect your development a little bit. No, I mean I didn't develop. I was playing games. I wasn't even doing anything. Yeah, you know what I mean, and it was it was literally like you know the manager would go right, Joe, come off and he go and play into the midfield or up front. Because you've not done anything. Oh, right, to get you involved. Minutes. Yeah, to wow. get me involved. And it was, it, it, I know it sounds crazy, but at that elite level, those players were so far advanced. I mean, Joe Cole was just—it was silly. It was—he was so good. I've not, you know, I, he had a fantastic career. Good friend of mine. Loads of respect. What do you think when still, you look at his career? Do you think it was, I, he should have been how Messi? You know how Messi is now. Everyone's like. He's on another planet. I thought that's how Joe would go. That was the feeling, wasn't it? It seemed like he was. This is the new Gaza. Yeah, one hundred percent. That was what was being. Yeah, said. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I was saying to you on the phone yesterday. I played a, a school match when I, I must have been thirteen or, or something like that, and it was um, uh, Joe played for. I said Joe, like I know, you know Joe. <laughs> Jay, My mate Joe. Jay, 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 yeah, Joe, Jay. Uh, Cole played uh, yeah. uh, twenty minutes, thirty, and they just took him off. Um, I don't. He, would he have been attached at thirteen? Well, oh, he would have been attached at seven. Really? Like, he, he was just. So he was what, just. I don't know what he was yeah. doing playing then, because in which case he would. Because uh, I, I imagine did they last play for the school. Yeah, you, uh, you have to. Oh, you right, have okay. to. You what? have to play for school. You have to play for your district, and you have to play for your county. That, those right. are the things that you have to do because you know clubs don't have a monopoly. And your development, you still like you know if you're if you can run at school, yeah. you run in your athletics team. I hated athletics, and I'm like, am I right? Tomorrow night you're at, you're at a meeting, you got to do 200 meters. I'm like, really? I don't even want to run. <laughs> I hated it. And what next week? Cross country. I'm running around fields, man. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was like, that's, that's the worst thing. Like, I really don't want to be doing this, yeah, but yeah. you have to. Well, and the thing is, as well, like obviously, like the, the sort of crop of uh, players we're talking about, but not just them, like sort of like good athletes as kids I ended up playing for the basketball team I hated basketball even though the rules just stood underneath the the, 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 the hole <laughs> amazing yeah. and then like cross country you end up going and because you can run you're fitting everyone else because you're training like yeah. West Ham like three times a week you end up winning then you go and play for the county across country and it, 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 I, you have to lose on purpose you know, just so you don't have to go. go I don't want to go I've got cramp I can't run no, well, don't we, pick me again we played uh, we played Joe, Joe Cole's uh, St. Aloysius team the school you went to and he uh uh, they, they took him off after 20 minutes because there were kids on my team crying they were crying their eyes out because he was getting humiliated by this geezer he's just let, you know there, there's some people that are very very special and I, I, I haven't seen any anyone ever be as good as him I saw good players at school Leon Bell went to our school he played oh, football player. yeah and um, what I find strange about that Joe Cole as well is he seems to have just this look he hasn't had a failure of a career oh, no by way, any no stretch way, but for someone who was uh, fated, he had so much talent. Everyone was so certain of that. But his attitude seemed superb throughout his entire career as well. I mean, I know Joe, and for me, if you look at his career, he had an amazing uh, tournament with England. Uh, and then he got injured. He's got that going yeah, Sweden. Yeah, yeah, he got injured. He, he got great. injured, quite a bad injury shortly after. And that really hit him for six. And not only that, it's like a player like Joe. It was interesting because we all sort of, we all came through together. Joe, Carrick, and there's a few others that kind of like... They were in the first team training every single day at 7 right. whereas a few of us like myself would, would be with like our squad and then Harry would be like, right, am I yep, come over. So it'd be sort of like pick and choose on the days they need you or, you know, but then as, as I progressed, I was with the first team every single day. But Joe, literally from the age of 16, was training the first team. Yeah. Um, but it's just, a, yeah, the times, you know, and, 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 and the injuries. But one yeah, thing about Joe is it was almost like 
as a kid he could do magical things but when you get into the Premier League and you've got systems and if a team plays 4-4-2 mm. do you play Joe left wing because a lot of these talented players in England a lot of teams were putting them on the left mm. because it was like well where else do you put them that's it it was like the go-to position yeah. for anyone who, with a modicum of skill yeah that's so true isn't it because you think of the early noughties that was that was where players were six foot plus I remember uh, I'd um, when I went to uni in Sheffield I did some work with Sheffield Wednesday's Academy and they essentially had a rule that if you weren't six foot by the time you were 16 you got released yeah. because it was like because that was his bat so he's almost you could say about Joe Cole like if he was playing now he'd have so much freedom wouldn't yeah. he to so that, play on the left and the right exactly in the middle. that little role the number 10 role that was Joe mm. and there's so many players like Trevor Sinclair at West Ham he played on the left we sort of like all your kind of like mercurial mavericky type he's going to let do what you want mm. you know the McManaman type player mm. um, but maybe number 10 was, was what he was there what, anyone from that team that you've expected to do more in the game because I think there's always like you talk about the class of 92 or or I guess you know Ravel Morrison's had a bit of a, bit yeah. of a struggle is there anyone who you were surprised didn't go further I think uh, Leon Britton is, is, is uh, so delighted that he's where he belongs because that, that like, he what a player like yeah. he literally couldn't he was like Zavi you couldn't get the ball off him and he was he was really really small and everyone sort of made a bit of a joke about it constantly it's too small he's never going to make it and he you know my I actually was going to go and sign for Swansea with Leon um, sat down with a man we're going to have a brand new stadium we're going to get to the Premier League and I was like yeah, whatever mate. <laughs> <laughs> no one you just, you just survived relegation in League 2 Leon yeah. went I chose to go they to they just about didn't they didn't yeah. like, Lampard on loan or something and Lampard li- was on loan and and they li- I'm not joking you I think it was the last day of yeah. the season but Leon went there and to go and I thought to myself he deserves to play because someone like that in League 2 big strong physical players yeah. it'll be really tough for Leon Leon needs to be at the top end championship premiership pass completion give me the ball have it back yeah. delighted to see him back where he belongs so, does it show the kind of there is a gap between the different levels like, as a QBR fan you see, you see us in the Prem and then you see us in the Championship I've seen us in, in League One as well and you, see, you can kind of see the differences but Leon Britton someone who's played in all of those divisions and shone in all of them are there kind of are there differences between the, the different levels yeah. as, not as big as people think I don't think they are as big as people think obviously there's big, big golf like the top four in the bottom half of the Premier League there's a golf there straight away you can see that visibly yeah. but I think if players are given the opportunity like Bournemouth for example I was playing against Bournemouth for Dagenham Redbridge and a lot of players I was playing against in League 2 are still there now mm. so that says a lot about team spirit you know cohesion a togetherness a famili- familiarity with a club yeah. because if you have that then that's conducive with your development and a lot of those players were playing in League 2 and now they're playing in the Premier League and doing very well mm. So um, you, you're obviously an, an Asian footballer one of the few that I know I think the only We used to have Zesh Raymond keep you Zesh Raymond Yeah, yeah. He's a black corner That's right yeah, yeah. Fulham He's a Fulham Yeah yeah So um, obviously there's a massive I don't know if it's an issue or what the reason is I mean what, what do you think is it, is it about the culture of the Asian community or is it more that there is a kind of an inherent racism in football that I think London's progress is, is really interesting because when in 97 I signed my professional contract at West Ham and one of the interesting things about my story was that loads of people knew who I was without actually watching me play yeah. you know I was in the newspapers for all sorts of reasons away from the fact that I was an, an old school English style centre half mm. because of the fact you're Asian there's a little bit of circus around it and it to be fair, it does become a bit of a distraction. You're trying to make it not so, but you know when you've got yeah. Like, what are your emotions when you kind of those little moments are happening? It's, it's just weird. It's yeah. just really weird. But then uh, you know, I think it for me, 
everyone is different, but I think it's your mindset. You have a half, you know, your glass is half full, your glass is half empty kind of person. And I thought, man, you know what? I've got an opportunity here to be the first of anything. You know, what, what a fantastic incentive. Yeah. And I kind of tried to sort of persuade myself that all the rubbish, and there was some rubbish that I had to, to, to hear and face and experience, but like it would be worthwhile because of that. I just think if you, um, like an analogy that I used... Um, what, what, sort of, what sort of So, thing? yeah, so... I was asked a question, and why are there no Asian players playing, playing football in, in not just the Premier League, but all over, because of the large demographic of the Asian community in this country? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm one of the first, but hopefully it's like a conveyor belt, click on, you've got role models now, someone can go, oh, look, he's done it, why mm. can't we? And we'll have loads. 17 years later, yesterday I was asked by a newspaper, and why is there <laughs> such a lack of Asian players in the Premier League, in the football league, 17 years later? So, and I'm almost giving the same answers and just hoping that we're going to have more. And there is more. There's now a lot of players in the academy level, um, but it's still extremely disappointing because across the leagues, League 1 and League 2, non-league, we do have some players. There's a lot of individuals I know and talk to, but there's not enough. There was two that I'd heard of, and I've heard of you, and, and, I, ne- and I never saw you play, but because, again, because of your name, uh, obviously, it's it's not English, sound, yeah. so it stands out. And Harpel Singh of Leeds as yeah, well was, w- was the other one. He, Harpel's a lawyer now. He, he, he After Leeds, he struggled. Uh, I think he went to a few trials, and he just... He just got a bit disillusioned with a game and, 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 and went into sort of education really. yeah. but you know what there's a lot of factors it's not a question that you can say alright well the answer is because I don't know all the answers but I'm probably best suited to, to give you a kind of a kind of what I think would be the reasons yeah. one it's hard because let's face it anyone who wants to be a football player today 17 years ago it's, it's not easy no. but I think what people don't realise as well it coincides with the whole Premier League boom when I was 13 having that discussion earlier on I was like the best in London best in the south east of England I compete with people in the same sort of schools districts now you've got to be the best in the world Yeah. at West Ham if you're a 13 year old you're not competing with the best in London England you're competing with the lads that they can buy from Peru yeah. from Australia so yeah I thought the conveyor belt would switch on. But what slowed that down is the fact that football in this country is now a global market. At 13, 14, 15, the best clubs in the Premier League are buying superstars from around the world, kids Mm -hmm. from all over. So that's even more difficult. Mm. So that's another reason. And I think, I don't think you can rule out discrimination, racism. And I don't mean like an overt discrimination, but like an unconscious bias because... Because ultimately the the percentage of... Britain's a, a beautifully multicultural country, and and there is a there is a huge uh, Asian population, and so it it it's baffling. This is like white male from Surrey. It's baffling to me. So uh, that's why I think we're intrigued to know: is there are there any little things that you think that that play that play a part in it? Because it doesn't make sense. What what makes sense to me is despite it, all those facts. Yeah, what makes sense to me is just just picture this if you may like it's extremely difficult so we know that yeah that's obvious mm. but if you're um, like take yourself or someone who's in a school go to a country like China where everything is totally different and the opposite way of thinking everyone looks different talking a different language people are laughing at jokes you don't even understand doing things you're thinking what the hell you're eating with chopsticks what are they <laughs> everything's totally different now you go there and get the best results in that school you can it's going to be difficult you don't even know the language what's the teacher talking about yeah yeah do you know what I mean? So we're talking about an elite, elite environment here. So you go to this new school in China, you're the boy from England, everyone's looking at you, What's, you're a bit weird, got a weird name. Like, mm. You've now got to get always. 
Now, are you going to have a good chance of doing that there, or would you in the school where, where you where you're from? Yeah, yeah. And I know it's a bit extreme, but that I think but I think that kind of gives you. A new, I mean, I never met an Asian player for 10, 15 years, an Asian referee, an Asian coach, an Asian manager. So you're into an environment where you are very much, and it's so obvious, you're very much unique mm-hmm. and the only Asian person, Asian-looking person, a person with an Asian name. And sometimes, like, you take comfort in, like, you know, if I, I'd see like. Um, an Asian referee or something I'm like wow quality like yeah there's two of us brilliant you know what I mean <laughs> this is fantastic uh, and, and to be fair there was Mr Singh a referee um, t- towards the back end of my career the first yeah. sort of Asian referee I've ever seen and he was unbelievable we, um, I was a really bad centre half I'd always sort of, uh, get fouls and stuff and he'd be like come here come here look, I don't want to send you off <laughs> we've got to look after each other like, yeah, you're, make, you're making it difficult I'm like sorry 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 but yeah, if that was someone else I'd be discrimination yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come on mate I've never had any have I um, obviously we talked about your, your, your time at West Ham West Ham seems a, a weird club for someone from an ethnic minority to to join because yeah. they've got bad I mean not there's a minority of their support but don't it can't be denied that they've got issues there um, but forget that for a second I don't want you to comment on West Ham support the, the inside the changing room it's difficult things to do yeah relief in his face yeah. <laughs> in, inside the changing room you, you mentioned like you're playing with it was actually a time when Redknapp was signing a lot of players from around Europe yeah. and yeah. Africa uh, you mentioned Freddie Canuti coming in a uh, Muslim player didn't drink in the same changing room as Neil Ruddock yeah um, which must have been a kind of what, hang on, well, just tell me what that was like. I don't know what yeah, it was. It, it was crazy. I mean, I, it, when I first year when I walked in, um, got my squad number. I think it was number 30, 39, I think, in my first year as a pro. Uh, right, and he, yeah, first uh, changing room number one, I got in on um, either side of Thomas Repka and Paolo Di Canio. And like, then you look around the room and it's literally full of characters. Stuart Pearce, John Moncur, Steve Potts, yeah. Paul Kitson, Trevor Sinclair. And literally every day you're coming in and it's just, it's just nuts. Do you know what I mean? Because that banner, it was great, but... It was great for everyone, but a lot of the stuff. I, I was always just. I used to sat there and I was always cautious because I kind of knew that every now and then a word would come up that would really offend me, and everyone was oblivious to it. People would maybe talk about certain things again that offend me, but no one was really aware of that. But that was just the way it was. That's so it wasn't was intentionally targeting you. It was no, just general no, no, conversation. No, no. General conversation, but you know, if if yeah, if if someone's having a general conversation, a bit of banter, or use it throwing around terminology that's mm. offensive to you, doesn't matter if they're not saying it to you. Yeah. I'm still offended by oh, that. Of course, yeah. Uh, but that was part of the course. That was that was that was what it was like in school. That was what it was like in in everyday life, really, for me. So that was just the way it was, you know. So you kind of like you have to brush it off because I've got to go and train now. I'm not going to sort of be pissed off about that because I've got to go and train to a good ability I've got to impress Harry Redknapp yeah. but again you know you're talking about why maybe that's another reason why someone has to, it's something else you've got to contend with yeah. like, you know I mean I just want to go to work get changed be ready to impress the gaffer so I can be in a team on Saturday I'm sat there and, all, and they're all saying these things and, and people are like talking about um, terrorism and it could be anything and then these sort of things I'm like well, I don't need to hear this mm. so just go go to the gym or have a little crap with my mates and stuff like that but again an influx of a lot of Muslim players very very different there was a, there's a big drinking culture in football you know the lads win nights out and, and it's it's it, it's great because it gets that team spirit which I think is vital but if you're a Muslim player who don't drink then you kind of you're excluded from that yeah. uh, and it's not just that as well like the food in the canteen everyone eats together but if the food's not halal 
you know, you go home and have food with your family because right. it's it's not what you do. It's just yeah. another hurdle, yeah. isn't it? And, and, and I'm, you know, thinking about it now, I mean, this is a lot, this is relative to the work I do now. I go in to um, work with players and talk about these sort of things, call it in diversity training. But a lot of players just thought the players were antisocial and a bit weird. Yeah. Just you because know, they're not educated, yeah. but it's like, well, no, they're not. You know, they don't want to go on a night out because they don't drink. It's not because they're not a fun person. And imagine that train, that uh, changing room, because that is a legendary changing room. Like, I think Ian Wright said that himself. Is that the characters in oh. that changing room? <laughs> What's like, so? And in terms of those hurdles that you've got to get over and, and the thick skin that you've got to have, it's probably even more relevant with a, a group of guys who are good people, but are gonna. They, that's part of it, isn't it? That they're trying to, they're going to well, say all sorts. And it's, well, we've, do you know what I mean? We've we've had experiences. With, <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to tell this story because yeah. it's not it's not for everyone. I'll tell you after a while. But Neil Neil Ruddock came in here. We did some work with him, and the shit he was saying here. Oh, like, and we'd met him for like three minutes. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you now, right? I mean. You got any stories about? Right? No, I, 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 the things I, I've experienced and seen are unbelievable. You know what? They'll never get told because that, that, <laughs> that was who he was. That was why we ended up fifth in the league. And, you know, and I was part of that. Mm. I'm not going to sit here and say I was a little Asian boy sitting in the corner yeah, and yeah, yeah. not getting involved. I was just as bad. You know, I was getting involved in the jokes. I was getting involved in the banter. Sometimes I was initiating it because the way I saw it is I'm going to sit here and just sit in the corner and think, oh, they're saying this or they're doing that. I'm not part of it. Mm. You know, and I, I've got to prove to these lads that I'm part of this team. Yeah. And they respected me for it. And it got to the point where people would be having a chat and having a laugh and someone would use the, the P word. And he's sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, and over that. time, it sort of kind of changed because I was I was a prominent figure in that changing room. I wasn't going to be sit down and be the quiet one. I'm going to be yeah. one of the lads. Mm. But again, it takes a certain character to do yeah, that, yeah, and it's yeah. not easy. And that, mm. and the thing is, like, I had to contend with that as well as all the other bits of getting fit, being strong, learning, trying my to position. make it. As yeah. Well, yeah. So it, it's hard, but I mean, I have to say though, I wouldn't have changed it for the world because. From West Ham, when I left, every single changing room I went in was nothing no, compared. I mean, every single day, the, the crazy stuff was going. We had sky cameras here, and people were running around naked, you know, <laughs> doing overhead kicks and diving into the into the puddles in front of the cameras. John Moncur was one of the worst. Oh, wasn't he? He, was, he was nuts, yeah, right? Was nuts. But, but like that's what I mean. So like, what an education! Because yeah, we had the best footballers in the world. It was a crazy place. You know what? I loved every minute of it. Yeah. There were some issues around terminology and some ignorance, but I didn't let that ruin that kind yeah. of. You know what it was because that was the environment at the time, and I think maybe that's that's a big part of it. That hopefully, as society moves forward and the guys that are in those change rooms move forward, it's actually it's about education more than. Oh, you know, you've said you've got the terminology wrong, so that means you're a bad person. You're oh, a racist. It's my, not about that. Is I, it? it's now about I know this, right? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I know this because my nan is the most racist person you'll ever meet. She is a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. Uh, because, uh, but because it's because of complete ignorance and, and where she's brought up. I I went to a, a hugely multicultural school. I was one of only two white kids in my class. There's no way I was ever coming out racist because I wouldn't have made it out alive. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, it's about your people you surround and and your education. Now, the very few people I know are actually inherently and, fit and they they have an actual repulsion to people of other colour or or um, sexuality or whatever it might be. So it is about it is about ignorance and 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 then lack of education and understanding of other cultures. Um, what was what was the most infuriating moment of your professional career in terms of any kind of? Racism? Just I think that sometimes when you're on the pitch and and you you actually sit, you, you plan a game and for whatever reason like you got a fellow professional just like go off on one to one of your teammates or you say, it never really happened to me because if a forward ever said anything to me they know mm, three minutes later boy, I'm, yeah. going, I'm going through <laughs> the back of them like, or my elbow is going to clean them out that's, that's just the way it was I was centre half but but yeah the odd, odd comment you always get that the odd, the odd thing from a fan but there was a few times where literally like one of your fellow professionals like do you know what I mean literally some of the stuff you'd, you'd, you'd hear them say to one of your teammates like Literally, so I, I couldn't believe it at times. And I think there's been a few high-profile incidents that I was involved in, got dealt with and all that sort of stuff. But it's just disappointing from a fellow professional. So, sorry, just so the audience can kind of get an head around it. What is it talking about their families? Is it... Colour, everything. Oh, yeah, about- colour, skin colour, you know, the racist terminology. Literally right. just like, you know, it could be like something, a little tackle that some, that's happened and someone's thought it was a little bit nasty and mm. they've rather than gone like, oh, what do you do that for, mate? Just go they've off and one about who they are, their, their right. colour and that sort of stuff. And it's just like, because for me... There's that, there has to be that mutual respect between players. Like, literally, we'll cross the line and we'll go head-to-head for 90 minutes. Mm. But when it's done, I'll shake your hand. Yeah. Because I'm going to play against you next week oh, and yeah. the week after and next year. So you don't cross that line. Do you know what I mean? And um, and it was really disappointing when I had fellow professionals cross that line. Um, over the course of a 70-year career, the amount of racist abuse I got sort of overtly from fans and players was was minimal. But for me, it was, it was the kind of... Um, the environment, that the conversations that were going on around me, next to me, yeah. and and sometimes it was about people sort of telling me, like, you know what, they you know, they'd, they'd never like you there because you're Asian, and you know they wouldn't want you to play for this club because you're Asian, and, and you get that, and you hear it f- sort of third hand. No one ever said it to your face, right? And it's but it's really disappointing to think because you start. So interesting. You, I, I wouldn't think about that. You think you go, 
as someone said it directly or not, but actually people are even ignorant people who are, are racist are weirdly cuter than that now, aren't they? So it's actually, it's the conversation... A few months ago, like I think the, the Paul Val chairman, I think they were saying in the media about not wanting Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank to be their manager because he was black. That was this year, this season. I didn't hear that. Yeah, that it's was crazy. recently. Yeah, obviously, he's, he's not, I don't think he's no longer their chairman, but he said that he didn't know how the fans would react. Well. And that was this year. So can you imagine, you've got an Asian player, if an I Asian If I I'd be absolutely fuming at that. Yeah, that's safe, because you're, you know, you're an educated chap from Surrey, you know, from Port Vale. <laughs> 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 hang on, come on, you're going down the wrong line now. Well, you've met Elliot, you know what he's like. I'm joking, that's a joke, <laughs> joke Elliot. Um, let, let's move on. Um, the, you signed for Sheffield Wednesday, because this is another interesting aspect to your career. A lot of the listeners um, of a certain age won't remember the collapse of the ITV digital deal, which put a lot of football clubs on the brink. A lot of them could have gone into administration. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to think about the amount of money in the game now, it's almost unimaginable that so many clubs were, I think it's like 30 on the brink of administration. Just before that happened, you'd signed for Sheffield Wednesday. You left West Ham, signed for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, yeah, not good timing. <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, it was um, I wanted to play football, and uh, when that's an exciting move. Then, yeah, initially, when, yeah. and it, it, on paper, it was like just got relegated from the Premier League, massive, massive club, club. want to get massive back up, club. and I'm like looking at Rio Ferdinand every week. I'm thinking, come on, have a bad game. <laughs> not <laughs> no, happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like yeah. when you're a kid, you think, yeah, this this guy is different, like, but he is world class. Yeah. Like, yeah. Privileged yeah. to learn from him. But then when you're trying to nick his spot, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating. So obviously you think, oh, you got to go. Um, West Ham, I had, I had, I had time left on my contract, could have stayed. But I just, I just got fed up of like, right, I'm in the first team squad, going to Old Trafford, Ellen Road, all these places. And it's like, the, the team gets read out and your name's not Dan, you're sitting having a coffee in a stand. And it's just like, I yeah. want to play football. It's difficult yeah. as a centre-back as well, because you're not going to come on unless yeah, someone no. gets injured. So, um, yeah. so, so I went there and... Again, um, they they come in for me at Christmas. The club won't let me go because West Ham, like, just in case we need cover. And then at the back end of the year, I just got frustrated. I said, kicked up a little bit of fuss because like, I just, I just want to do something. I'm just sitting around. You, you want me to stay? I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Um, so I left and um, went there. And it was just unfortunate, really, because I had so many clubs I could have gone to. Literally, I sat down and looked at the clubs and thought, right, where can I go? And I could have gone anywhere in the country. And well, I thought, like who, who? I mean, literally, you name it, I could have gone to all the, all the London clubs, like the lower London clubs, the Orient, the South Ends. Yeah. I could have gone to sort of like the, the sort of the Scumforks, the Notts Counties, the Notts Forest. So yeah, that's everything. Yeah, I mean, Championship at the time Forest, was where right. I wanted to go. And, and I thought, you know, the Walsall, Zipswich, Watfords, but I thought, Sheffield Wednesday, they just come down from the Premier League. Yeah. They've got Andy Hinchcliffe, Gerald Sibon, they had Carbone and those players. I'm like, I want to go there, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I went there and it just it was just a bad place to be because they'd got relegated, but they were still paying premiership wages. And some of the like Gerald Sibon, mm. what a player, but he was getting on I, I can't imagine how much he was on. But they just didn't want to be there. Mm. And you, you know you get that impression and they were we were fighting relegation and it was just it was just a tough time at the end of the season. I just thought, right, you know what? New Year in the Championship, we're going to try and look to get back up, and then that happened. And it was, I think, to be fair, whether the whether the club used it as an excuse to sort of get rid of players, yeah, because they could have. Your your contract though was chopped, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, they basically said, look, we want you to stay, but we can't we can't honour what we what we said we'd give you because we don't have that money. Yeah. So, so <laughs> uh, well, I think it, I think it was because if you if you if you promised uh, a certain amount of money through TV, you can kind of plan, plan accordingly. Yeah. yeah, I guess again for people who don't who weren't around at that time, weren't aware of what was going on, was that there was this uh, ITV Digital and Satanta, I think it was, yeah. wasn't it? There was a, there was a big deal with with those guys and. 
um, both of and because of it, you had money promised to you. The clubs did, yeah. especially lower league clubs. Because I think there was going to be a lot of money, that money was going to be put into the championship. Yeah. I think it was all. It was all. It, the deal was for the championship. championship yeah, yeah. It was a large part of it. Yeah. And so teams thought, well, look, it's, we've got this money that's safe, and went out and spent it. Um, before it actually was in their pockets, like, and then like it got, all, all it got the pulled really quickly. Yeah, yeah, it was really it, quickly. It, it happened a few quickly. Months, it? The Premier League, it happens now, anyway. I mean, Spurs or whoever spend, they know there's a hundred million coming from the mm. new deal. They'll spend knowing, you know. And to me, you know, it makes sense if you're the manager and you think, right, you know what? All of a sudden, my budget's cut. What do I do? Well, we've got the young lad who's got bags of potential, but it's not unproven. If you're going to cut someone, it's going to be me rather, rather than the Marlon Brooms, who's uh, you know seasoned pro. Yeah. And you know exactly what you get, what you're going to get. So it made sense, and then it just made the opportunity for me to right now I've got re, re you know go and find some else to, to play. Yeah, because you, so clubs. you'd moved you'd moved up to Sheffield. Yeah, I lived in a hotel. I felt like Alan Partridge. I was up there for like four <laughs> months and just sitting in a hotel, a bit like. Because that's, I mean, I, I think that there's a misconception that all footballers have bags of money, regardless of what at what level they play at. And, but if your contract, anybody's contracts, mine included, if I was suddenly earning a third of what I was, I thought I would or projected to be, that would mess me up. That would, yeah, you know, yeah, would I would struggle. Yeah. You got to think I was sort of nineteen, twenty at the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you, you've and don't get me wrong. My first year at West Ham as a kid, what West Ham did was, and I'm, I'm glad they did. They put everyone on this like. For a little while, we had a YTS contract, which was like forty-two quid a week, and yeah. they did it so that right and while, yep, um, forty-two quid a week. You got Cleaney and Pierce and in Rio Ferdinand's uh, boots at Christmas. They'll sort you out. Uh, they'll give you a tip. Uh, Ian Pierce gave me a tip, and he said, "Like, yeah, make sure you always tight to defend." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I thought he'd be a monetary tip. What they did? Yeah, he didn't yeah, give yeah. me any. Tip. No, he, 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 just, he said advice. He goes, "My advice." He goes, "I've played at the top level. My advice is better than any money you can ever get." Oh, mate! So cheers, Ian. Not so, Rio, did he sort you out? Rio, no, Rio. Uh, my mate Steve Clark take, took Rio's boots because Ian Pierce had like oh, size right. fifteen, Sorry, no. so uh, Rio took uh, Clarky took uh, Rio's boots and Rio sorted him out. Uh, and he had Lampard as well. We actually, yeah, he actually cleaned up. Fly. <laughs> so I had, um, I, I ended up having Javier Margas and Ian Pierce. And Margas just wanted to go back to something. Yeah. They just literally weren't interested. So, yeah, yeah so Christmas, I got a load of advice. Which was cool. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, going back to Sheffield Wednesday, as a 19 year old, 20 year old, you've not made any money in the game. You've made enough money to buy yourself a nice fancy car, mm. you know, go out, and when you go out, you can buy nice clothes and do nice mm. things, but nothing substantial. But that in itself, you go, like you said, Flav. If you're there and go, right, I've got this, all this money and there's loads coming on the way, right, <laughs> yeah. what am I going to get first? I'll get a fancy car. Yeah. <laughs> Result. Yeah. So you then, if you didn't know that, you would have gone, right, put it away, put it away. Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, I, was, I was going around Sheffield looking at houses, um, back in my hotel looking at houses, thinking I've got to stay in a hotel for probably about six months. Until I get until I move in, and obviously when 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 I sat down with the manager and said, "Look, it's not going to work," I said, "Look, can I speak to other clubs?" You start talking to other clubs, and all of a sudden, League Two and League One clubs are offering you much more than what. It's not about the money, but ultimately, I want to play. Yeah, yeah. And if the club are saying, "Look, we don't really know what we're going to do and how much we're going to have," mm. I just want to go and play somewhere. So, started talking to clubs, and um, I ended up um, speaking to Swansea, and they was talking about. You know, real big plans of development, and it was really exciting. And I was on a train um, from London to Swansea, and I got a call on the way uh, from John Steele, Bristol Rovers manager. And he said, uh, "Just got a job. Hey, Redknapp, give me a number." He said, the first thing I've got to do is ring you." And I lit- he said, "Where are you?" I said, "Funny enough, I said the next stop's Bristol, <laughs> like literally just by coincidence." Yeah, and he said, "Listen, I've just got here. Let me." He goes, "What are you doing? In- what are you doing in Bristol?" He goes, "I said I'm on the way to Swansea." He went, "Right, get off the train." <laughs> And I went, yeah, but if I got off the train, I've got to buy another ticket. He went, don't worry, 
So, I'll yeah. bite you. So, yeah, yeah, you have to train. Come and see me. Um, and I signed a three year deal with the Rovers. Wow. Just like that. Yeah, Again, one of those, isn't it? You know, those moments. Yeah, but that's the, that, that one kind of done you a wrong and didn't it because you should have signed for Swansea yeah but I've never yeah. actually thought that they were That's telling right. the truth because literally yeah. the season before I'm not joking you the Vetch is where Swansea used to play yeah. and if you ever saw that place and you go to Liberty I played at Liberty Stadium and, you, and I played at the uh, the old place and I'm thinking similarities oh, wow. no. <laughs> but, but Bristol Rovers again at that time massive club massive fan base and that was unbelievable I'd go around Bristol and at London when I was West Ham people never really knew me they walking around the streets no one knew who I was if you was an Asian person and you would because in the Asian community I was quite high profile but at Bristol playing for Rovers or City literally every nightclub I'd have Rovers fans come up to me right mate I'm going to stand next to you all night and make sure that Bristol City fans don't, don't, don't say anything or do anything I'm like wow. really alright mate <laughs> <laughs> men stand next to me all night you know what I mean it's, like, yeah. it's weird did, did you yeah. get any, st- st- any stuff from City fans because that, that rivalry is unspoken yeah it, that, it, is, it is crazy I mean I um I don't know whether I regret it, but I actually got my name on my my number plate, NYU. You know, one of those things. Yeah, you know, yeah, get yeah. my name on number plate. Yeah, yeah everyone does it. And um, I had a black convertible, and uh, people said to me, oh, "If you ever go down to the sort of like the, the city side of, of town, just, just be careful." I'm like, "Mate, I'm from East London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm alright. I've got no issue." Yeah, literally parked my car. Uh, had, a, had, a, had, a, had a bit of dinner near the, uh, near the stadium. Literally come back, my car, the wheels had been like cut, scratches oh, everywhere, and I was like, "No way." I'm gutted, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is shit. Like, actually, I was like, nah, I'm gutted. I, I, I should have listened to, to them. What's the number plate, okay? Number plate number was fine, yeah. yeah. But it was, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, to be fair, it could have been anyone. Like, I'm not going to say it was a Bristol yeah. City Come fan. On, you know. But I'm, I'm by Ashton Gate. And everyone <laughs> says to me, don't go there, whatever you do. Right. I was a Rovers captain, do you know what I mean? Come from West Ham and, you know, a little flash lad of his number plate. It wasn't even me who got a number plate. It was, it was, my, it was my, my partner at the time. She bought me as a present. It's not even my fault. Yeah. So, did, did you play in the derby games? Uh, we, no, they were in the. Uh, they were flying when I went to Rovers. They uh, had an unbelievable team. Um, and the only time we played them was in the. Uh, we have like a sort of like you have like a, a county cup yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. Which, to be fair, we still had a great crowd. Uh, but they, uh, yeah, they, they beat us quite convincingly. Really? <laughs> right. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, obviously, when uh, Dagenham Redbridge played 188 games, probably uh, obviously, but clearly the most kind of consistent club you went to. What, I mean, because I've been down there a couple I've of been times. Down there, yeah, too. Um, it's, a, it's kind of a cute old school little ground. But, um, I can't imagine playing, going there 188 times though. <laughs> Listen, I, it was. I went to Bristol Rovers. I played the first 30 games. I was flying. I had a chat with John Steele. He said, "Listen, he said I've got four or five clubs that want to take you. Said so I've all agreed a fee. January when a window opens, you're gone." I was like, "Brilliant." My agent spoke to the clubs. Uh, I think I was literally on the verge of signing for Ipswich uh, in that January. Um, and uh, we played Carlisle. We had two games either side of Christmas. John Steele's the Dagenham Rivers. Yeah, yeah, no. So he was at Bristol Rovers. Right. So we had two games either side of uh, Christmas. And um, so we played the first game. I think we played York uh, away. 1 2 1, I scored. And then we played Carlisle at home. And in the 87th minute, I did like a clearance, my left foot, like an overhead clearance. I felt something go in my groin. Oh, and it was literally, it was like four days before the transfer deadline. And I thought, no, this is, this is like, I, I actually ripped my doctor. Yeah. And um, I was out for four months. And it was mad because that same game, we had, a, we had a lad. He was the Latvian captain called Vitas Astavius. He was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> he was unbelievable. Literally, I was like, I think we got him from like a Champions League team and he came to Rovers and he signed in League One they got relegated right. mate 
absolutely bossed League Two. There are players like that. <laughs> we had like, so when QB went to League One, as it's called now, we had at the start of the season we had three. Go- we had seven players, three of which were goalies. So we like needed Ian Holloway came and needed to get some players. We had got a guy called Benaziz Askar from like <laughs> third division French team. I, to this day. He's the best centre-back I've ever seen. <laughs> it was incredible. They just disappeared. Like, unbelievable. And he got injured in the same game. Uh, and so, obviously, everything, everything got put on hold. And because uh, me and uh, Vitas, I'm, you know, we, were, we were very prominent in that team, both injured at the same time. Right. He was long-term. Four months later, I, I, they rushed me back. It's tough to come they back. They rushed me back. And I, I didn't feel right, but I thought, listen, I want to get fit because I want to get out of here at the end of the season. Nothing wrong with Rovers, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm 20 years old. Yeah, I want to get back to the Premier League. Uh, Peterborough, uh, away, I went in for a 50-50 and I, I'm not joking you, something I just felt, it was worse than the initial injury. And when I sat down, I felt like this numbness. And I mean, I'm not going to say what happened, but literally I, it was the worst injury you can imagine because obviously my groin re-ruptured oh. and the blood needed to go somewhere. Oh, and I, I had the uh, physio feel quite run on and he said, he looked at me and, you know what, you, that, you take so, comfort in your physio. Yeah, don't yeah, worry, yeah. Don't worry if it's going to be all right. But he looked at me, he looked down and looked at me and I knew something was wrong. Cause, and then the ambulance come on, went in the, where yeah, the ambulance. The ambulance came on the pitch. Had to, had to, because wow. they, didn't wanna, they didn't want to move me because, um, I'll leave it to imagination, but the blood in my adductor had to, had to go somewhere. Yeah, it didn't yeah. go down my leg. Yeah, right, I gotcha, I gotcha. Do you know what I mean? So I needed to go and have I'm a still confused, in, but yeah. I think that, that, it sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't English. work that out. Well, there's two bits, isn't there? Right, just have a think. When I tried to obviously, I tried to get up and walk, I couldn't walk because yeah, it, was, was it was excruciating pain. Oh, so I went, went to hospital and sort of that. I basically cut long story short, re-ruptured the uh, original injury and I also had a hernia and there was loads of blood everywhere. Um, so basically that was me done for a little while um, and when I come back I spent a year in like uh, 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 I love Bristol Rovers but when you're a, a, a player that they really really like and they need because I weren't going to be available for a while it weren't a good time and they didn't want me to go they didn't want me to send me on holiday because they're paying me mm. they didn't want me to send me back to London because they felt like well, we're paying you so yeah. I literally went to the gym every single day I joined a squash club I became good at swimming I did all the spinning classes and it's, uh, uh, that's all I had to do yeah. and I just literally I, I just lost my head a bit because I was literally what two years or a year and a half ago from that point I was About. trying to get into West Ham's first team I had, mm. a, I had a nightmare Wednesday I've come here and I was flying and then this has happened but then football sort of became a bit irrelevant because they were starting to say look you've got to be careful because this is this is really bad mm, you know wow. this is really really bad you've got to you know I'm not sure whether you will ever play and have the strength in your adductor because it was ruptured to actually to physically play at the level that you want yeah, to play yeah, yeah. so I was more worried about just getting better um, but it was sad times because it happens all the time like, you know you, you have players um I remember going back to my younger years, Darren Ander at Spurs. Like, mm. what a player! Well, he's injured. Yeah. You know what I mean, you get that. And I was starting to become one of those one of those players because I was at Rovers. And I was like, "Where's well, Amorid?" And then all of a sudden, they saw new players, yeah. and you're like, "A forgotten man." And yeah. um, and that's why I ended up at Dagenham because I just wanted to get back to London. And John Steele got the manager's job at Dagenham, and he yeah. said to me, "Look, I know you're you're struggling. I went on loan to Hereford and Telford just to get fit again, where yeah. I eventually felt like I could play again." And he said to me, look, come here. He said, look, don't worry about anything. If you can't do it, if you can't do pre-season, he goes, I'll, I'll, I'll give you your money. Just get back to mm. where you need to be because you're better than this club. But if I can use you, you can use us. Mm. 
And then I had a, I went to Dagenham and literally I was the first full-time player to play for the club because everyone prior to me was part-time. Yeah. I walked into the club and I was like, wow, this place is so different from like the West Ham. And it was just yeah, literally... The same, the same tiny, like minuscule. Literally. And I was like, this is mental. And But you know what? It literally was a fairy tale and it's the best thing that ever happened to me because literally at that point, I'm not joking you, I, I could have gone on trial somewhere. And if you didn't know me, you'd have thought, who's this lad? He's a bit overweight. He's a bit... Nah, he's not really quick. It, you had to have sort of see me play before to realise yeah. that what I could get back to. Yeah. He knew that. I went to Dagenham and I had five years without any injuries. I captained the club and got a club from the National League to League One. Incredible. Was, was Tony Roberts there? Tony Roberts' keeper, yeah. yeah. With he, me at the whole time. Like? Yeah, absolutely. What a legend. Yeah. Absolutely. Not. Every time we scored, he'd break dance. Yeah. And <laughs> <kind> of, <laughs> but we literally... And, and like that was the fight. Like It was really, to be honest, you know, like... It's like, you know, like you're raring to go, you're raring to play. And I never got the opportunity at Sheffield Wednesday. I started to at Rovers, had this horrific injury. And yeah. Dagenham was the only time I could really like, Get just going. let me play, just, yeah. just let me play. And I've got a team that literally, we were uh, 100 to 1 to win the league. And in my second year, third year, we won a league by like 100 points, got to 100 points. League 2, got up the next year, League 1. And all of a sudden, Dagenham, with that stadium, in the same division as Sheffield Wednesday, mm. Charlton. That's ridiculous. And you're just loving it. You just loved your football. You know what? I had so many opportunities to leave Dagenham. I had every single year, we'll take it, we'll take it. I stayed. I stayed. Every single year as the club grew, I got a better contract. Yeah. But I was like, you know, he, John Steele signed me when literally no one else would touch me. Yeah. You know, I, my agent was ringing clubs. Oh, yeah, I know him already. Yeah. Um, why don't you come in on a trial? You know, we're talking about, I'm talking about trialing at League Two. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas two years ago, I had like seven or eight championship clubs ready with a contract yeah. but John still was like don't care you're here I believe in you I just need you to get fit if you can't get fit obviously it's, it's so important isn't it, for so many players to have the right people around you and right, the right faith in you we, we, we spoke to um, Lil McKenzie um, and, uh, and Gabadon and people are talking about their, the, men, the mental the struggle mentally to deal with serious injury oh. and how, how difficult that is it's and, and if you don't have that manager around you saying I believe in you don't yeah, worry yeah, it's going to be alright yeah. it, it, must, it must be difficult and John still sounds like that kind of well to be fair at that club it, you know with a great respect to Dagnum a player like myself I would never have gone to a Dagnum and Redbridge because you know I, I could have, I would have stayed in the league and I could have gone anywhere but mm. He, he, he said to me look just get fit and then as soon as you're ready you can okay. go because yeah. I need to sort of initiate like yeah, my yeah. tenure here and I want to get a few players at no level and, and can, can do that for me but like and we went there and all of a sudden it was just like I enjoyed life because of my football I loved going in I loved my teammates and I felt like um, I didn't feel like a player at the club I felt like I felt like, like almost like a director at the club mm. I was I was choosing the players in which we bring in I was thinking about like right, how can we improve the club in terms of stadium development like everything because I, I wanted the club to grow I felt like part of the club yeah. and you know what I'd still be there but I chose to leave because yeah. I was there for six years and still he was like you know like it's weird because you know in, in everyone's life or, or at a club at the end of the season you sit down with the manager and you're like right um, we're going to offer you a new contract or we're not going to offer you a new contract or you're doing well you're doing bad Steve said to me as long as I'm here you're here yeah. wherever I go you're coming with me like, there was not and when you've when you've not got that worry yeah. you can just crack on that's right yeah, yeah. you can the just crack on like, and he was unbelievable and, and like I felt sorry for the club because when I first signed um, I said to the club alright if I sign I was like right I wanted to feel important because I'm like I'm signing for Dagenham Redbridge so right if we get promoted I want XY cash as a bonus. And they went, 
if we get promoted, they went, and what? If we get promoted, we'll give you double that. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're thinking, they're thinking, what's this? Is this yeah. guy right? Always like, let yeah, them yeah. set the price first. Because <laughs> I remember Steve Thompson, John Steele, they're like, like they're looking their eye like, yeah, you can have double that. <laughs> yeah. I said, right, oh, I want him right. They went, you can have it in mind. <laughs> and I was like, and I felt like, I don't know why I even said that. You know, it's stupid because I mean, we ain't going to get promoted. But I just felt like I wanted this to be professional, like done it right. Yeah. And uh, when we got promoted, I knocked on their door. I said, <laughs> uh, do you have that agreement with you? <laughs> and literally, they were like, really? I said, I've got it in pay- on paper. <laughs> and I said, I, 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 I'm not saying I'm going to leave, but. And they, they, they honoured they honored their fee. The, the, the club almost went bankrupt. <laughs> They shouldn't have agreed it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, got to do what you got to do. Uh, business is business. Um, I think a good way to kind of round the podcast off would because it kind of the the, the lack of uh, you know black managers has been an issue for a long while. There's been no Asian managers, yeah, to speak yeah. of. Um, you, you assistant manager at Barnet, uh, Malden, and, and Tiptree. But I think the one one of the most interesting because I was reading a story about Sporting Bengal. Um, United, which uh, most people wouldn't have heard of, I, they were kind of somewhere in my brain I'd heard <laughs> mentioned before. Um, but you, what, what, what division were they, they, they playing in when you took over? So the they're, at, they're, uh, they're at step nine. So, uh, so if you think National League is step one, yep. Uh, no, the Premier League is step one. Then sort of non-league, you've got like National League, National League South, Ram and Prem, and it's sort of underneath that. Yeah. So it's sort of step five in non-league. Mm. What, what level do you play? I play combined counties Prem. I think that's one above. That's if you get promoted. From that league, you can go into like the Essex Senior League. Right. So, yeah. so um, but, and then you took over them; and they were bottom of the league. Well, why, why did you do that? Cause it's so that's so far um, to, to learn, or what? yeah, no, I was at mate, I was at Barnet, and again, um, Rotherham away, playing uh, left Agnum, Rotherham away, playing, enjoying life. Uh, snow in Tuesday night at the Don Valley Stadium. Um, went to clear a ball, someone lands on my leg. I knew straight away. I broke my ankle. It was horrific. I couldn't feel my, anything from my knee down, oh. and uh, got. Put on a stretcher. This is horrendous. There were good times. There were good your, times. Your, your, your two injuries are going to stay with me forever. I, I can't get what you said before out of my head. I know. Right, so, but I was, I was uh, the two, the two, uh, the two people put me on a stretcher. They put, walked me around the pitch oh, and they dropped me. Oh, no. right, <laughs> right, they, they dropped me right in front of the because the Don Valley, the, the, the rubber used the Don Valley before the new stadium. It's an athletics track. Mm. Freezing, oh. snowing. They've, they've pulled me around the uh, all the way around and it's now. A long way. Yeah, and now I'm now in front of the fans, and they've dropped me. They slipped. Yeah, and I, and I just thought, you know what? I thought I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> like, this, yeah, this is the sign. I'm I'm done. So I, I, I was in a boot for ages. Martin Allen come in, and he was like, right, this place needs to be shooken up. And he goes, right, you. And he, he pulled me into his office. He goes, you West Ham player, weren't you? Yeah, I spoke to a few people about you. You're 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 a good dude. You're one of us. He goes, right, you're my you're my new assistant manager. So I've gone from playing to like being injured to, to being assistant manager. And then he left about two <laughs> yeah. weeks later. He left. And I was like, chairman, come in. He goes, my name's left. And he's just looking at me. And I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> I said, I'll do it. And he goes, hey, to, me, yeah. and he goes to me, yeah, but you, you've got a contract here next year. I said, well, bring someone else in and I'll do it with someone else. I said, I'll do it. I'm injured. I can't play. I said, I'll do it. I said, just give me a couple of games. Yeah, yeah. So we brought Grazioli in uh, as, yeah. as, as, as the manager. Bar- Barnish, right? Yeah. But, so he came in and we did it together, but I was a player, so I couldn't be the manager because yeah. if it all went, we got relegated and we was in the relegation zone. Yeah. I was still there next year. Yeah. Um, we played uh, Chesterfield who were top drew 2-2 uh, won our next game and then he was like alright well I'm going to start interviewing managers just just 
just carry on yeah. and then uh, we stayed up last game of the season fuck uh, yeah now yeah, beat, uh, yeah, did, beat, you, uh, did you walk in and go fuck give me the job <laughs> okay, but we I'm got, ready uh, uh, the last couple of games Laurie Sanchez come in yeah. uh, and oversee us um, we stayed up and uh, then he took over in the, in the new season um, I got back fit played but that kind of experience Barnet mm. I took the sessions picked the team me and Gratz I loved it Got a call from Alan Kimball, ex woman and player. Oh, come and help me out at Morden and Tiptree. Done that. And then I got a job with the FSF. And I thought, I still want to coach. And mm-hmm. I was coaching at West Ham with the kids. But I thought, I can't commit to every day or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And uh, it sounds like I've got loads on my plate and I do loads. But I started an academy at Sporting Bengal in East London three years ago. And I've got like 8,200 kids that turn up from 6 to 18. And they're all sort of leading to a, to a first team. They want to be involved in the first team yeah. but the Sporting Men first team were horrific they finished bottom of the season before I took over had no money played in a nice stadium at Mile End but just because they were people from the community that tried to break into mainstream football from the Asian community but just suffered from racism mm. uh, discrimination like really horrific experiences so I thought you know what we'll just start our own team yeah. start our own team and get the community to play there that way they've got a, a platform to play and I love that principle yeah. um, but they were just just yeah, just having one and I thought you know what I'm, I'm, I want to concentrate on the Football Supporters Federation role yeah. but I'm happy to sort of keep in the game and help out so I took over and but a great year last year. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, we broke every single record of the club's history. We had no money, absolutely no money. Literally, uh, we, we had a good cup run in the FA Cup and the FA Vars, and because of that, I bought tracksuits and training kit and balls and stuff I like that. I thought you just had bought a couple of players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Him and his fancy cars again. So, <laughs> get the players, get the simple things. We finished mid table. When mid-table. you say you bought tracksuits, it was for the players, not, not just you didn't buy yourself <laughs> tracksuits. <laughs> I, bought, I bought myself a tracksuit, <laughs> and I've got my initials on it. You know, like, cause I want, yeah, that's, yeah. if you're a manager, you've yeah. got to have a tracksuit of initials <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I felt a million dollars after goes that. Out, goes what was the same. difference then from like, in such a short space of time what did you bring that turned that team from being I think a lot because you're not spending money on players the minute I've got the job we are, we're based in Mile End so you guys you, you play football right if you, if, you, if you live near Mile End or in East London and someone who's played the game has got a little bit of a profile takes over a team mm. uh, the first thing I did make sure we get a decent training ground so we went to a 4G AstroTurf we play in a stadium come along and play yeah. and the thing is so like, anyone who wants to play come and play But we and I've got friends of mine I've got loads of ex-pros throughout the season A licence B licence ex-players come and take sessions and the players that were there loved it so it they like, just improved wow. as players yeah, they loved it they come along they listen they learned and, and obviously listen I know a bit about the game playing for 17 years and coaching doing my badges so you know we'd, we'd go and we'd set up if we play against a good side I might change formation if you know I had a player uh, someone who worked with me who, who, who loves football football fan he said can I, can I come and get involved I said right every team we play go and watch them before we play so you go and watch like Saf and Manor or Takeley and they go right they've got a really bad right back I put my best player left wing and at that level no one would yeah, do that yeah. because yeah. who has a player or has a person that would volunteer their time to, to go yeah. Uh, yeah. so we'd go and do that and then we'd tune him up because I had a lad called Prince William last year who's now gone on to America he could run 100 metres in like 10 seconds and I felt like, your play, your play, right wing. Get the ball, knock it, and run. Go. That's yeah. what you've got to do. Prince William. Yeah. <laughs> you are having a laugh. Oh, Prince William scored 15 goals for me. He's in America now. Amazing. 
So he, I got him from West Ham's uh, development side. I said, I rang West Ham and said, look, do me a favour. You know your development side, your college scheme. Send me a few best players. Oh, we've got this lad who can run the t- 100 metres in 10 seconds. Like, He'll do. Right, flat front. <laughs> over the top, preach, run. Yeah? And literally, I mean, he's got five in one game. Five, five in one game. He's in America now. But like, literally, getting a few players like that. There's a few lads I've got. I've got this Algeri- Algerian lad called Yassin. Oh, my word. He scored like the non-league goal of the year. Beat three players, cutting, top bin. I was like, Yassin, where you been? He goes just play football in the street mm. so all of a sudden you've got these kind of kids who play power league and that but there's so much ability but for whatever reason it could be the fact that you know they weren't quite good enough at 16 when they left school or just didn't, don't see football as a viable career mm. but still got amazing talent and I think people actually don't realise that there are so many people out there that can play the game at a decent level and it's just finding that club or that person that you can a bit of coaching a bit of training you get that commitment that work, work ethic and you can improve and and that's what we did and what a year we had it was amazing like Bowles and Pitsy won our division and uh, we beat them twice amazing we drew, drew and, and beat them but like and people were like wow sporting last year we're getting beat 6, 7, 8 and, and this year last year we, we were doing really but well it sounds like you got a taste for it then most definitely but um, I've had a bit of a break um, I've just I've done an extension on my house and me and my wife have been planning it for years and I was like, right, I want to want to crack on. Like in grand designs, it looks really easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, that, it is the most horrific four months I've had. But that's done now. So yes, yeah, so I'm looking. I'm, I'm uh, Dagnum have asked me to get involved. But again, I'm you know my full time job is my priority. I love working for the FSF, but football's part of my life. Just, just, just to finish then. I just said I've said that once already. But the, the FSF because it's good. I, I love the FSF. I, I've been involved. In kind of pushing some of the uh, you know the twenty plenties the the, the um, kick, kick racism out of football that all the kick it out and anything that, and the, the safe standing stuff that that kind of aspect to it so I talked a lot about that sort of stuff on, on the podcast and, and and the Long Ball Street pod but what what, what what's your role and what what, what do you do and how? so my role in short is just try and make football as inclusive as possible because in partnership with Kick It Out there are still a lot of people that let's take the Asian community we've been talking about the Asian community. There are a lot of Asian communities in certain parts of the country that are quite large, but you go and watch a football match in that stadium in those areas and there's no representation. Yeah. So for me, you've got like, kids in Bradford. Loved the game. I went up to Bradford because that was strange. Went to Bradford, played loads, and I thought, right, massive Asian area. It's going to be Asian fans. I'm playing. They might come and watch me. Mm. But no. So when I got this job, went up there, went into a few mosques, community centres. Well, what's going on? Do you love, do you love football? Do you want to go and watch? Yeah, we do. But just never had that that connection because right. their parents all Liverpool Man United fans when they come over in the 70s similar to my dad and my dad's brothers Masha Day was on Liverpool Man United that was their team mm. so it's almost like they passed that on but they sort of almost forget about the team that's around the corner do you know what I mean so you've almost got to manipulate that relationship a bit but it benefits the communities because these kids are all in these sort of like um, this youth centre playing football and I said well look if you want to learn to be a football player the best way to learn and, and to educate yourself is, is to watch Go across the road and watch. Go into into the stadium and watch a game. Oh yeah, but like, you know, scared. Like yeah. my dad's told us that in the seventies and eighties, you know, the fans would come in, beat us up, say horrible names. Mm. So it's not like that now. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's still elements of that, mm. but it's about getting everyone to embrace football because regardless of who you are, and I'm not just talking about the Asian community. It could be the LGBT community. It could be disabled fans. Just because of who you are, where you're from, your faith, or any other identifying feature, that shouldn't restrict you to embrace the game that we all love. Yeah. And unfortunately, for some, it does. Yeah. Um, and it's almost trying to reduce that barrier, really, to say to everyone, "Look, you know what?" And the thing is, with me, 
I want to celebrate what football can do because you know what? Most people will go to a game and most fans will be, look, as long as you're a West Ham fan or a Spurs fan, mate, we're all good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the case, but Absolutely. I don't think, I think there's still a misconception that football is still back in the 80s. Not so much from people in the know, mm. but from people that don't really go all the time and don't really experience it. They still, I mean, who would have told them any different? You know, I'm yeah, trying to. I'm yeah, trying and to if you're not experiencing yeah. anything different because you're not going, yeah. then it just it stays the same. And that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to bang that drum. Say, so look, you wanna you wanna go and watch football? Go and watch football. Enjoy the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Like, for example, in Bradford, I've set up a, a supporters group called the Bangla Bantams. They've they've bought sixty season tickets. They go home and away. Yeah, you set that up. Yeah, I knew about them. Yeah, yeah. And from nothing, literally, I went into a community centre and I was all there training in this little. And the guy who was running the session, Humayun Islam, he was trying to teach the kids these fourteen year olds offside. And I was like. You know what? Go on in the stadium, watch, watch a game, it. and you can look from a, a decent vice, but like what he means. Because yeah. you're in this, this side hall, and these kids, and they've all got the main night Liverpool tops. So I'm thinking, mate, like Bradford's there, like yeah, there. Yeah. Go and watch it. Mm. And oh, mate, they absolutely love it now. But that's just a, a snippet of kind of what I'm trying to do. Just just bring people together. I like mm, the club, yeah. the community. And, and how does it feel when, when you achieve that? Oh, it's amazing because I just think that, you know, it's, it's even even today there are people that are fearful of, of watching football but they still have the same uh, relationship with it than me and you have mm. but they won't ever think to go because they think oh I don't want to go and it's not just as I say the Asian community it could be anyone disabled fans their match their experience is vastly different from your everyday fan and I think we have to be aware of that and what mm. our club's doing to, to, to make that better uh, LGBT community I just think that football is, is there for everyone and you know what you should experience and embrace it and enjoy it just like everyone else and that's not just watching that's playing as well Because yeah. and the reason like, I love this job so much is that listen I had, I had 17 years of, of doing something where I was very unique I see a lot of things I didn't like and that needs to change because if we don't change we're going to still have the same problem so to be part of that kind of yeah. positive change you know it's, it's fantastic so no all good Amber it's been an absolute yeah, joy. it has been a joy pleasure being a pleasure great being. way to sp- spend the last hour and ten minutes um, you didn't notice but you by coming on the podcast you're now a member of Bull Street FC wicked yes. we've got some wicked set of acts really signed up <laughs> back three I'm thinking so we've got, got Gabadon Jubri and Amber now and Anwar sorted um, I've got Lil <laughs> McKenzie up front yeah. Bullard in midfield we've got parking up front we've got Akin well. Benoit up front as well God, yeah. struggling in the Sam middle Sam parking <laughs> yeah. no, I could do it and in midfield yeah, I'll be yeah. To... Or maybe we'll push you forward yeah. Yeah. I mean it'd be our decision yeah, 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 yeah. you have to respect our that decision but yeah. Yeah. mate thank you so much remember to uh, keep downloading the Long Ball Street podcast follow us on Twitter at Long Ball Street and leave reviews um, because it helps push us up the iTunes charts uh, this has been Long Ball Street say what Matt says at the end Really? Yeah, do it. See it. See at the back post. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.